Hi, and welcome back. Or, for those of you joining me for the first time, welcome to Actors on Process. Good news! In addition to listening via my website at www.james-crichton.com podcast, Actors on Process is now also streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Spotify. So please, do me a favor, subscribe, and leave a review and rating. Or, better yet, if you like what you hear, tell a friend. So, on today's episode, I interview actor Frederick Weller, who's currently starring as Bob Ewell in To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. Back in December, when I first had the idea for this project and was reaching out to artists, I didn't know Fred personally, so I sent a hard copy letter to the stage door of the Schubert Theater. A few days later, I received an email from him, and we immediately began coordinating potential interview dates. That letter could have easily been thrown away, so I am so grateful for his generosity, his time, and his spirit. You might know Fred from his role as Master Patrolman Andy Landers in Spike Lee's Black Klansman, or from the HBO miniseries Mosaic, but perhaps you know him best from his roles on Broadway in Mothers and Sons, Seascape, Glengarry Glen Ross, or Take Me Out. Other significant theater credits include Evo Van Hove's A View from the Bridge in Los Angeles, Fulfillment Center at Manhattan Theater Club, Some Men by Terrence McNally at Second Stage Theater, and Mother Courage and Her Children, starring Meryl Streep at Central Park's Delacorte Theater. This past winter, somewhere in the middle of February, Fred welcomed me to his apartment, and we had the following conversation. And so, without any further ado, Fred Weller. I'm sitting here with Fred Weller today. Everybody say hi. Hello. <laughs> and um, I'm really excited to be here today. Uh, I sort of blindly wrote you a letter to the Schubert Theater stage door, and I'm really glad that you responded. And you're the third interview now for this podcast project of mine. So uh, I'm, I'm dying to hear the first two. <laughs> yes, I, I'm excited I for them to... deeply love those ladies. Yes, I think, it, I think it'll be a good set. But um, so anyway... I'll start off by just reading a little quote from an interview I read of yours, basically that says, Joseph Panarello ends a 2015 interview with you saying, surely theatergoers will be seeing plenty more of Frederick Weller. Every performance he has given seems to be so diametrically opposite of what he's done before that he's gaining the reputation of being a chameleon-like performer. I agree, and so here we are this afternoon. Thank you very much, and thank you to Joe as well. <laughs> of course. Um, I, um, unfortunately, I'm in a movie right now by Spike Lee in which I play a racist scumbag, mm. and I am currently on stage playing a racist scumbag, so I really, <laughs> I hope Joe isn't disappointed. He's not. Um, 
Spike Lee, I saw him at a party recently and he had seen the play and he made me swear never to play a racist scumbag again. again. And then I, I have promised him that. So You're done. For Spike and for Joe, I am hanging up my racist spurs. Well, it's all right. We're going to talk about a lot of other things today. Right. But for now, to start us off, in high school, were you in the school plays and who was Fred growing up? I was in the school plays... Thank God. Um, that was a real revelation. Um, growing up, I was pretty lonely. I kind of, very quiet. I got into um, this, um, I, I started hanging out with some kind of juvenile delinquent guys um, out of my loneliness when I was like, well, I mean, they're good fellas. I don't mean to make it sound like I was desperate or anything, but the thing about so my my um, my childhood buddy, uh, my neighbor Corky Usbridge, um, who has passed, may he rest in peace. His dad died when he was in fifth grade, and he started uh, going dark, and I kind of got sucked into going dark <laughs> with him yeah. a little bit, and then you know I hung out with other. People who were, it's also New Orleans, so alcoholism is prevalent. So, you know, I was in eighth grade and we had like scotch hidden that we'd stolen from people's fathers and I would climb out the window and we'd go drink in the park and, you know, it wasn't good. I mean, the guys I was hanging out with, God bless them if they hear this, you know, one of them got kicked out of the school I was in, another one wound up in jail, I understand. I mean, so theater was a different crowd. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, kind of, you know, took me in a different direction. I was a good student, by the way. I don't mean to make it sound sure. like I was some, like, you know, destined for prison. I don't think that was <laughs> ever going to happen, yeah. but that was my social life. Sure. And theater also just, it was just, um, it made me feel fulfilled and accepted and uh, in a way that uh, I never really felt before. I mean, I, I remember uh, not having a, thinking I didn't have a play to do in uh, one semester in college because I had tried out for like the undergraduate and the lab and didn't get into either one. Terrible. And I thought, oh my God, I don't have a play to do this semester. Mm -hmm. um, who am I? Uh, turns out the head of the graduate program had told the undergraduates and the lab not to cast me because he was going to cast me in something with the graduate students. So it was awesome. It was all bad. <laughs> it went from, I mean, it went from you know, the darkest Darkness. hour to just like, oh my God, I'm working with the graduates. Um, but yeah, it's always been this really um, kind of source of salvation almost. Yeah. Uh, you know. I could totally understand that. So you feel sort of like you kind of answered the call, the actor call, kind of yeah. pretty early. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't really seen any great theater, by the way. I saw mm. the musicals at my high school on tape, I oh. think. They had like, I thought, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I went to tour the high school when I was in eighth grade, and it was just like a videotape. Right. Of it, and I was just... Blown away. Yeah. I was blown away by the videotape of, of the high school musical. musical. Did you do musicals in school? Yeah, that's all I did at my high school. Just I, musicals. Well, I I didn't make it, which was devastating. Um, my freshman year, and I I had I had done one as an eighth grader, and the director saw how just crestfallen I was, 
and he gave my name to this director at this community theater. It's actually the oldest community theater in the country, oh. Le Petit Theater in the French Quarter, to do On Golden Pond. Wow. And I went and auditioned, and my dad brought me, and all the dudes auditioning for my dad were 20, and so the director asked my dad if he would read for the part, and he did, and I wound up doing the play with my dad. It's unreal. Whom I loved, and it was, just, that was incredible. I was 14 years old, I was going to the French Quarter every night to perform, you know, for paying customers really? with my dad on stage. My dad was taking me to baseball games. I would have loved to have acted with him in the play. <laughs> that might have been... It was great. really unifying for the two of us. So that's really cool. Yeah. What was like? What was your favorite musical that you did in school? Probably Bye Bye Birdie. Oh yeah, who were you? I played Birdie. Cool. Um, or maybe West Side Story. I played Riff. Oh. Because that was great. Because I get to die, and um, the director stages at my, you know, stages at the lip of the stage. So I took the knife and I was face out. Over yeah. the, you know, it was really <laughs> very dramatic, very Shakespearean. <laughs> yeah. Did you like? That's had you? Play. Were you like a? Did you care about Shakespeare at that point, or like no? It was all about West Side Story. Well, I studied Shakespeare in um, in class, and my father was always quoting Shakespeare. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Growing up, he 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 had just reams of Shakespeare memorized, um, and so yeah, I I always wanted to do Shakespeare. Um, I didn't see it executed. I didn't see a well, excuse me. I saw Shakespeare done at my at my graduate um, at the graduate school where I was at the University of yeah. North Carolina, and I thought it was amazing. Um, but I never saw Hamlet performed until I was in drama school and in London for spring break, and the first Hamlet I ever saw was Mark Rylance. Oh man! And I mean, ah, it was just earth shattering. I like, can't imagine. Whatever I thought theater was before that, it it's just like... took to a different level it was yeah. just devastating I bet yeah but I mean High School Musicals those were sort of it was formative I mean that was oh it was great I mean I loved it um, you know I still love music and still think um, music's um, an important part of theater and some musicals are more frivolous than others right right you know but um well it's interesting I mean I'll, I don't want to jump too far ahead but I was so blown away by the use of music into Kill a Mockingbird by Adam oh, Gettle. Incredible. It, I think it's just so And you know, Evo keeps simple. it going. It's not it's not live music, but you'll notice um, Evo keeps music going the whole time. Always, yeah. It's very, very powerfully and and just the fact of also of them, the players sitting on stage too and kind of like watching the action team. Yeah. I just think there's something very powerful about it. Yeah. But I don't want to jump too far ahead. But um <laughs> so what brought you to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and were you a theater major there or No, I was an English and German major. Um but I as I said I I always did a play did every semester. Cool. Um I was very busy because um they didn't reduce the requirements for um, for you if you were a double major, but I, I knew I wanted to study abroad, and I had always studied, I had studied German in high school because, well, because my big brother studied German, and also because my dad spoke some German, and he kind of led us to believe that we were German. I mean, mm. my name is Weller, and he was raised by his grandparents, one of whom was German, his, his grandmother, and I was like home after studying abroad in Germany and not quite finished with my double major. I was talking about the fact of our, you know, German heritage and yeah. 
and uh, you know Weller, and he said, "Well, uh, no, that's that's Welsh." It's all alive. We're mostly Welsh. <laughs> Wait, sorry. You know what? You didn't want to tell me this before. before I took all the classes. <laughs> like I could have been in Barcelona. You know, what I mean? it's cold where I was. You know what I mean? Cold. <laughs> yes. I, I could have gone to Florence. Wait, stop. <laughs> We're Welsh. Right. Just like a total mind bend. Florence, for me, when I visited, I found I'm a lot of parts Italian, but when I went to Florence eventually, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's the most beautiful place I think oh, I've ever been. God. Just oh, stunning. Unbelievable, yeah. But, all right, so we're oh, Welsh, really. but we end up at the University of North Carolina. I went to the University of North Carolina, speaking of other um, <laughs> comedies of errors. I had always wanted to be in the mountains. Uh, oh. Coming from New Orleans, I had we didn't ski. I had never been to a mountain. Mm. And... Uh, I don't know why I thought Chapel Hill, just because Hill's right there in the oh, name. Uh-huh. Somewhere along the line, I yeah. got the notion it was in the mount. This teacher recommended to me, so it was a great school, Good. and they had lots of uh, different theater opportunities. And uh, But really, I just thought, wow, to be in the mountains. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't in the mountains, <laughs> but I didn't visit this, the campus before. I didn't really visit going. it Yeah. It was a different time, it seems like, or at least maybe my parents were different than the parents I know now. They, like, visit every, every campus, and they apply to, like, 20 schools. 27 schools, I know. <laughs> it's insane. I didn't really do my research, and it's so incredible to think now, like, oh, you know, I probably would have really done well at that school had I, like, researched instead of just, like, applying where people told me to, or, like, <laughs> what sounded good from a brochure. But um, but I, I, I teach sometimes, like, part-time just to kind of, like... Um, I love doing that work also, in addition to acting. And a lot of the time I encourage my students, I think it's kind of amazing to not just study theater in school. I think it's awesome to open yourself up to German, I mean, anything. That's well, it not... was great to be abroad, and um, I don't know, I, I like English. Yeah. Um, so. And those two are really linked, English, theater, and... Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any regrets about that. But then at the um, end of it, you sort of were like, I want to take this to the next level. Yeah, I, I, I always assumed I would study acting. Well, I wasn't actually 100% certain that I was going to be an actor. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of said, well, if I get into NYU, Yale, or Juilliard, then I'll become an actor. And if not, I won't. And I was kind of haunted by that. Like one night in Germany, actually, I stayed, I, I stayed awake. I lay awake all night, just like turning it over in my brain. Being like, what if? What if I don't get into those schools? Am I and really I, ready to? And I made a decision that I was going to be an actor. And like after my, what's it called? Uh, the Dark Night of the Soul. What's it in the, you oh. know, the Save the Cat? You ever read Save the Cat? About I do, but I don't. That phase of the Dark Night of the Soul, Long Night Something. of the Soul or whatever. It was kind of like that, that you know. It was like I couldn't go to sleep, and I finally like resolved to. So that was it. That was when I decided I was going to be an actor. And Juilliard answered. And I did get into Juilliard, and boy, was that a great feeling. Yeah, I mean, I had a few questions, I guess, about Juilliard. But if you had to, I mean, there's so much folklore sort of already published about it. But for you personally, can you describe any classes that you feel like scared or challenged you the most when you were there? Well, voice, um, which sure. still speaks to a great insecurity of mine. 
you know, I think I'm, I'm getting better. Um, I actually worked with the Juilliard teacher for this play named Kate Wilson. Um, and I'll tell you something. She's got me holding my tongue with a, um, with a, like a towel, washcloth or whatever. Mm. And, um, and saying my lines. And I do that for like a good 10, 15 minutes. So I say a lot of lines that way, holding the tongue. Yeah. It's very helpful. I do the same thing. Super helpful. I do a lot of singing too. And before um, singing auditions, I'll take like a paper towel or something just so it doesn't like, one that won't like rip apart. And I'm always like you pulling pull and stretching. And it helps to, to keep it relaxed. I'm so... And your jaw loose. That's another thing. Like so powerful. The tongue. The tongue is, yeah. Um, like it has so much power over me sometimes when I'm talking that it's amazing. So I'm glad that you sort of are doing the same kind of thing. Yeah. Was I, she your teacher at school too? No. Oh, okay. No, I, that was another thing is I, I didn't get along with my teacher. She she Speech. left she left uh, voice voice. She left right. No, my speech teachers were cool, but I I, I just like oh, uh, you know we we just first five months we just breathed. I, I was like oh, this is my bullshit. Uh, mm. And then she actually left and went to the University of North Carolina after me after I left. Wow. Um, just two storms. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should have been more open-minded. I mean, it couldn't have hurt. You know? we, all have a, like, we all have a situation like that. Uh, I was so defensive. Um, I got super defensive when I went to, uh, to drama school. Super, like, I didn't want to do anything that would be phony. You know what I mean? I got into this whole, like, obsession with being natural that I was trying to be like I thought the greatest acting in the world would be someone who is as natural as possible I didn't understand that natural is an envelope that you don't break and the great actors are the ones who are like just squeezing the edges of the envelopes you know mm-hmm. the freaks like Christopher Walken right now you believe him but Jesus Christ is he <laughs> you know what I mean so weird. Right. Theatricality. Right. Uh, and I'll tell you something. Um, sorry to get off on a tangent, but like, I wish acting teachers would emphasize watching and studying actors more. Because even after school, I went through, I'm glad I studied all the different techniques I studied. I, after school, I studied Mines, and I studied mm-hmm. Strasbourg. It's good to expose yourself to that stuff, but basic concepts you can get it in a week you just need to see it applied and see absolutely you know what i mean like we at Juilliard is right next to the lincoln center archives we didn't go there once you didn't no they didn't take us over there one time and i'm in there you know as often as i can now always it's 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 an incredible facility that always empty seats half the seats are empty always it's amazing walk in get a table to watch the movie study an actor study you know, what they do and just get inspired, mm-hmm. too. And not um, to mention, I mean, rows and rows and rows and rows of clippings from, like, every article that's ever been written about someone. I've done so much preparation for all these interviews at Lincoln Center. Sitting in the room, room like, it's it's an invaluable resource. It's amazing. But that's that's pretty mind-blowing to me that you don't... And, I mean, that even two, the two live theaters right next door, three and, now. And, and if, you know, if you can't bring your class to the Lincoln Center archives... Look at some film and television actors in class. And mm-hmm. Look what he's doing. Look how he finds the theatricality. Look how he avoids the cliche choice. 
you know, just study them and mm-hmm. just get inspired because that's the thing is like you can get bogged down and dispirited by training in general, thinking about acting and not actors, you know, totally. Um, so anyway, what was your question? Well, I do have a question that I, I've been dying to know. I try to ask everybody who went to Juilliard if they worked with Marion Zeldas at school. No, she wasn't, um, she wasn't there when I was there. I love that lady though. I did, um, I did a play and she came backstage and, um, uh, I, I did Glengarry Glen Ross and she came backstage and she was gripping her heart and she said to me and she put her other hand on my head and she said oh my god it was just awful you know what I mean it was just magnificently awful what an experience <laughs> I just feel like she is the embodiment of like the American theater to me yeah She's great. Anytime I would see her, like just like walking, around yeah. Manhattan, I feel like she was always clutching Such and like smiling at something. Yeah. She is drama. I feel like yeah. she is, and I mean, the hours I've spent like watching interviews and things with her. So I'm always so curious to find someone who was fortunate to, to study with, with her. her and to what, you know, I've heard so many things like she whispered in my ear and she said, oh. "Just try this." And oh. Scene ignited and all these things. So oh. I'm sort of so mesmerized by that folklore, no. but. I got it, but I, that's an I, amazing I, I used to know, I know that someone said, she used to say, my birds, my little birds. That's right. all I know about her teaching there. <laughs> my birds. Um, <laughs> so she was amazing. And I always connected, I mean, theatrical, but connected to the other actors on stage, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, we had, um, wonderful. in high school, our, our drama teacher took us to see Corn Boy. Um, I get, that was at the Imperial, and I think at the, what was it next door? The music box. They were doing the Angela Lansbury and her play, but I forget what it was called. Deuce. Deuce. That's and Terrence's play. Yes. I saw I saw the Wednesday matinee. Those old ladies got it, man. Yeah. I mean, I can <laughs> imagine. I mean, it, I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was amazing watching those two women up there. I mean, it was a great play. I loved it. I, I didn't get to incredible. see it, but we, you know, he took us to Corn Boy, and we were we were all obsessed with it. We thought it was incredible. But at intermission of Corn Boy, two the girls from our class snuck out because they knew that that was a ninety minute play, and they wanted to try to meet Angela Lansbury and Marion at the stage door. And intermission of Corn Boy ended, and the lights went down, and they were both still missing. And our drama teacher was so furious with them, and he was so angry, and they came in, and they snuck in at the next blackout. He was like, where were you? What were you doing? And they took out the playbill, and it, he had seen that they got autographs from them. Mm. And everything was forgiven, and he was uh, like, all right. He's like, okay, that's fine. It was, it, was, it was for greatness, so, so you're forgiven. But, um... So, I mean, maybe it was in voice, or maybe it was some other class, but do you remember, like, having, like, a specific, like, breakthrough moment where something, like crack the shell open for you. We were like, oh. Not in school. Not in school. But I was, um, I had auditioned for uh, one of the bullies in Scent of a Woman. Mm. And, um, you know, followed the stage directions and, you know, I could see it was a high school bully. So I went in and, you know, got kind of tough with the guy. And the line, one of the lines was, uh, I was, I was telling uh, Chris O'Donnell, the Chris O'Donnell character, um, the basic code of school. We don't rat. And I went and I didn't get it. And I went to see the movie and an unknown actor named Philip Seymour Hoffman came on and did the dialogue that I recognized. I, 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 
completely played against the cliche. Completely opposite. Kind of chuckling, oh, snore. We don't rap. <laughs> you know, and I thought, holy shit. How did he have the balls to try that? To do that. And that's really what it is that you're responding to. Mm-hmm. When you see an actor, it's it's balls. Yeah. To, to to do as Chris Walken says, figure out what you're supposed to do and then do something else. Mm-hmm. Now, it's it's not hard and fast. I mean, like when I look at a Greenberg, Richard Greenberg text, right. and he's got it laid out on the page beautifully, you know, try that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But as a rule of thumb, just to like, to give yourself some kind of inspiration and some kind of f- sense of freedom to go against don't assume that the people who are going to watch your edition have bad taste basically because mm-hmm. I kind of assumed based on I don't know one of the screen directions or something uh, this is what they want right. I didn't really I wasn't impressed with the scene you know what I mean yeah. and instead of doing something with it I went in and, and did the cliche and then to see him I mean, what a beautiful actor he was. Just everything he did was magical. magic. Um, so that was a real, that was a real eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. And I, and I understood then also how important it is to study other actors. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess it was a principle of avoiding the cliche choice. That wasn't a principle that I ever learned mm-hmm. in class. But beyond principles, you just have to. Develop your own taste. Exactly. Because you're guided by your taste. Exactly. And if you don't see what's out there, and if you don't shut down the post um, acting school voice that says, that dismisses your competitors, you know, that's self protective. There was a thing where I, I went to Juilliard and all of a sudden, I wasn't liking the actors I always liked anymore. Oh. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, uh, Paul Newman. I was suddenly my favorite actors were Juilliard graduates. It's a self-protective thing, and I wasn't the only one. Like mm-hmm. all the Juilliard students seem to like praise Juilliard uh-huh. actors. It's self-protective. You sh- instead of trying to become more like the actors you love. Right. You're trying to love actors you perceive to be already like you. Yeah. And it can just completely derail you. It's so interesting, kind of like what, for some people, you know, I've heard people say in interviews, like, oh, I was advised against training because I didn't want to sort mm-hmm. of tamper with, like, a natural intuition that I had. Mm-hmm. And then for other people, it's like, oh, man, I would have been off the rails without some sort of, like, some basic voice work, some yeah. basic this work. And I mean... You take what you can and you, you recycle what you can't, I think. But it is interesting, sort of like post-graduation finding. I think it takes like five years to kind of like... Well, there are just so many ways that a talented actor can uh, fall by the wayside. There's so many pitfalls. Absolutely. So many traps. Um, I, I, I Another like mind-opening experience for me, it was, it was just before this happened, actually, when... Um, I ran into Bill Camp, who had been in Juilliard a couple years ahead of me, 
and I was talking to him and I asked him about this one actor who I who was in his class who I loved uh, from this uh, this thing he did I don't know I want to get too specific but I asked about him and Bill said he got into this problem of obsessing about whether what he was doing was sufficiently natural like he got paralyzed yeah uh, but not wanting to ever um, and, and and so he he lost all theatricality uh, and all sense of joy and fun uh, and that's another big one joy that's a huge yeah that's a huge pitfall that you can get in usually from class I mean that is a danger of of studying uh, but you've got to study yeah but you just have to keep this and you have to have a teacher who reminds you you know this, rebel yeah and joy. see other actors yeah watch get inspired by other actors always always please yeah but um so what's I mean jumping off of what you said sort of like watching Phil Seymour Hoffman and things what is something like you now will not walk into an audition room without like what are you armed with when you first walk in the door no, I, I, what do you mean? You mean in terms of my preparation for yeah. it? Well, um, I, I want to, above all, I want to feel um, enthusiastic to do it. Um, I want to um, have a couple of different choices. I want to know what my character wants. And I want to know what the turning point in the scene is. Um, you know, basic um, structural stuff mm -hmm. that you, you know, the kind of analytical stuff that you do at the beginning of a rehearsal period. Mm -hmm. What's my spine? Yeah. What do I want? What do I want from the scene? Um, and what's the turning point in the scene? Totally. It's like it's sort of keeping it super basic kind of like for... An audition. Well, you got to know that, right. you know, and um, I also like to know exactly when I'm going to look at the page. I, I basically have my lines learned, but I will decide I'm going to look, look down here. here and here. You know, and I'll underline those those places. Place to catch your eye, because you remember. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, well, now sort of like getting into the work itself, um, I want to work backwards, sort of just like move through a combination of plays. I've seen you in, as well as plays that I just know from studying on my own. So, most recent, which I saw a week ago, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, which I've told you is just a beautiful production. But um, with Bob, how do you feel like you climb into his skin without judgment and make him real for you? Like, what is that? Well, I mean, I did have to do some... Um research to answer certain questions mm -hmm. um, that's intellectual stuff um, so I mean I, I, I wanted to know more about the Civil War and the Southerners perspective on it and uh, Reconstruction um, I read the book that the um, the movie Birth of a Nation is based mm -hmm. on it's called The Klansman um, it's uh, you know, I'm not recommending it to your to your listeners. <laughs> um, but um, but the thing is, that's all like intellectual stuff. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll I'm doing the play and I'm I'm thinking about the play and I, I and I'll have to like I'll have to sort of think back. What was the answer to that? It's not really 
in my mind and heart when I'm doing the play. Mm-hmm. When you get to performance, you want to engage your emotions. And how your character thinks isn't really as important as how your character feels. Yeah. And so, you know, for that, I like to use... Um, I like to do emotional preparation and I use various substitutions usually. Um, and, uh, you know, emotional preparation, that's something that um, it's very personal and of each course. person has to figure it out. When, when I was studying Meisner, my teacher seemed to be really annoyed by the idea that anyone taught anything other than uh, imaginary circumstances. And when I was studying Strasbourg, my teacher seemed annoyed <laughs> that I knew more about anything other than, than um, you know, sense memory. So uh, that's just silly. Yeah. Uh, you have to just do it, and then you'll get into the habit of, of doing that. But I, I find it very useful. Um, for an anger scene, uh, it, gives, it gives rage more, um, I think, more, more substance if you, if you do the same kind of emotional preparation that you do for a crying scene. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, I don't know if that answers your question about old Bob. You will, but, but basically I'm using substitutions for the most part. And when I say the N-word, I just, you know, just, I mean, I, I, I'm playing Bob Yule. Right. You know, I, I never would say the N-word in the rehearsal room unless I was speaking the lines. And even if I was just kind of talking to the director, when I say such and such, right. I would say N-word just because... I, I, I don't believe in, um, I, I think that your relationship with the other actors is, is um, extremely important. Yeah. Um, and, and feeling like um, you're safe with each other and then you support each other. And I, I wasn't going to alienate any of the African American members of the cast uh, because I think that that relationship is more important than some effort to just constantly be in character. In character. Yeah. I, I, um, I think that the, your character, being in character is more about um, something deeper than just the character's um, political views. Totally. Have you gotten pretty good at shutting it off at the end of the night, leaving it at the door? Well, again, because I'm using substitutions really? and I'm trying to um, access my own emotions... Uh, I feel the same way I do uh, when I do any play in which I, I access my emotions, which is most plays, which is I feel a little tired, a little um, relieved. I feel like I'm, I feel like it's a healthy habit. I feel like um, when you're doing a play in which you have to bring emotion to it, I feel like I'm a better person um, the rest of the day. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why. Mm. Maybe because you're you're necessarily thinking about um, you know heavy stuff that yeah. gives you perspective um, on on existence and life. Absolutely. Right. So I feel yeah I feel okay afterwards. That's great. But the audience, some of the audience members, some of the people in my building have seen it. They don't know. They don't want to make eye contact with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's tough. Like, like as some people, people who are in the industry understand other actors, but 
like the parents, my you are in my him kids' just school. In yeah, they're just they're a little freaked out. Exactly. Freaked it's like, out. hello. This is not me. Yeah. I'm acting for you. Um, you referred to Richard Greenberg's text, which I guess this is sort of like a two parter then, because I was going to say an Abe Kugler script for Fulfillment Center. Also, yes. Very how it's structured on the page. Lyrically, yes. That's a beautiful way to describe it. Um, and it try it. Yeah. I don't think I. I don't think I ever um, didn't employ his phrasing. And I was going to say so. Um, there's still freedom in that. There's still okay. looseness. There always is. I mean, you're always bound by something. Mm -hmm. You're bound by the beats of the scene. You're bound by you know. Um, I don't know if there's if there's a big laugh, for example, you want to honor that. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do something that just totally kills it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you've always got to explore the freedom within those boundaries and try to make your performance different from the night before. I think I completely agree with that. And it's good to work with a, a director who supports that. And most good um, most New York theater directors do. I. I was so moved by Fulfillment Center. It's a wonderful play. Oh my God. But you know what? It could never be in a bigger theater. It belongs in that little space. It's amazing to think about that. Like, here's a, a beautiful piece of theater, and it can't, it can't, yeah. it can never go to a bigger stage. Yeah. Certainly not Broadway, but not even a bigger off-Broadway house. Just to, to have been in that, in that room. And I, I mean, this next question is sort of like, you know, to be in proximity to your character was really freaky. Like John. My wife was mad at me, me out. Day. Really? <laughs> yeah. She was kind of upset with me because of my <laughs> performance as that character. He, he freaked me out. And there was something about, I don't even know how to kind of like ask this question. I sort of don't even realize how I wrote it here, but like, it's the same way. And again, it's like a beautiful segue that we talk about sort of like Mark Strong performance in A View from the Bridge. Like the two Love of them. you freaked me out. And I was so close to him when I saw A View from the Bridge. And like, what do you think, like, what is that for you? Is it the power of stillness? Is it the power of like, did no, that? No, it's, it's what I was saying before for me, it's, um, it's some kind of substitution. It's making personal. Okay. So, you know, you've got to conjure some genuine um, emotion so that it's you're attacking someone who is a threat to someone you love. And then you will be um, genuinely um, in a place where you're you know, kind of homicidal. Because if, if someone is threatening someone, you I had this karate instructor, and by the way, I'm a white belt, but <laughs> he, he, um, I, you know, I hurt my elbow, like <laughs> month five. But, but I learned this, which was he used to say to us when we were practicing our kicks or our punches, he said, you're, you're striking someone who is threatening everyone you love. And it was very, it was profound. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of an acting lesson. Yeah. Um, and if you have something like that, some actual thing like that in your past, then it, it makes it easier. And yeah. If not, I guess you could use some kind of Meisner, uh, you know, imaginary circumstance. But. Some way in. I mean, I was so, after I saw you from the bridge and then I found out that you were, you were doing it, I was like, oh my God, I would kill to see him play that part now after I'd seen Fulfillment Center. But, you know, when it comes to Arthur Miller, 
uh, I guess it, it's sort of the same thing as like the um, the to kill a mockingbird question like you know his life and everything that people feel like is so poured into his his text how much of that is just sort of like left at the door and then you kind of are just focused on the storytelling yeah I mean that that um, the fact of um, Arthur Miller's um, size uh, is a source of inspiration it raises the stakes for you but uh, it's still the play is its own right entity entity yeah absolutely um, Mothers and Sons. Loved it. First time I ever saw you in a play. Wonderful I was in college. Play. And I was just so in love with it. And I'm just wondering, like, when you're in the depths of rehearsal for a new play, um, what might an evening at home look like as you're preparing for the next day? Is it kind of like reviewing what we had done earlier that day, or are you looking ahead to prepare yourself? Um, well... <clears throat> I think once you have, once you have um, staged a scene, you got to be off book for it next the next time. time you stage a scene. Um, so, uh, but I do feel like you have to have um, choices made for the whole script before you start rehearsal. Mm -hmm. So I guess the answer is that I'm. Um, it, it, de it depends what we're doing. If we're staging a scene, I'm probably going to be working on the dialogue from the... Um, I mean, if uh, the next day I'll be, I'll be working on what, uh, wh whatever we're going to work on that day. Mm -hmm. But after the show, I'm probably going over what I... After rehearsal, that, uh, that evening after rehearsal, I'm probably going over what we, what we studied. What you did. What we did that day. Yeah. It's just always... I'm always going back and forth. On like what? But I'm all I, I I um I work on my lines when I'm walking around town, so I, I try to like, you know, because I gotta be here for my family when I'm home. Right. But you know, if you gotta work, you gotta work. But I I, I um I like to just more or less constantly be uh, running something when I'm walking down the street or you know in the subway or whatever. It totally makes sense. Um, I mean, we're coming up on the last, like, three questions, but just basically I was going to say, um, for Take Me Out, and in the case of Joe Mantello, whom you've worked with, I mm -hmm. think, two times, or more than that, maybe? Um, twice for full productions, yeah. and a couple of readings. Readings and things. Yeah. What, what do you think, personally, is the best case scenario, the relationship between actor and director? I like a director to speak to an actor in terms of um, his function in the story and in the scene. And most professional, um, most New York theater directors do that. Um, there's no like, every now and then if you're working in television, you get a young director who was taught in directing school that they have to talk to the actor in terms of his motivation and never say there was a director on a show I did who wanted an actress to cross over and lean against this pillar because it would have made a great shot. shot and instead of just saying that she was trying to explain like maybe your character feels Thanks. at this point yeah like she was like tying herself in knots to give some BS motivation just like go over there and do it just tell me what you want. Just tell me. Um, that was another actual eye opener because you get out of drama school and you kind of want 
to hear things in terms of your motivation too. Right. And, I, and I was doing this indie film. I was playing this uh, kind of a drunken jerk, and I was sort of having fun with it. I thought, yeah, this is kind of funny. What like a cocky jerk this guy is. And there was a moment when he said, "Listen, I don't want you to have a target on your back." Meaning, he didn't want the audience to see me as some pin the tail on the donkey, just mm -hmm. write me off. And at first I thought, well, that's got nothing to do with what my character would think. I'm one right. of But then I thought, oh, I know exactly what, what she means. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think a perfect relationship between a director and an actor is an actor who is willing to hear the director speak in whatever terms he can to articulate what he's thinking and a director who's uh, able to do that and yeah. willing to do it. The most important thing in a director is taste. Um, and then the second most important thing is, is an ability to express his, his thoughts. Mm -hmm. But if you have a director who has great taste, uh, you should recognize that. Yeah. You've seen his work. The proof is in the pudding. Don't get like frustrated right. because you don't understand something he's saying. Maybe just keep. He, he must see something wrong with that moment or whatever, right? Right. So try to figure out what he's talking about. If it's difficult, you know, patiently say. So in other words, uh, I'm a little confused. Let me break you know. this down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for me, also, I mean, in every play that I do, I feel like there's a moment where I, I don't know if it's that I dread it, but like there's a spot in the play that I really have to like muster myself. To like get through and I'm wondering if you ever encounter that how do you do you mean that I don't really understand it or do you mean that it requires um, a lot of emotion because if it requires a lot of emotion um, then it is something that you are you know happy to be uh, done with and frustrated if it didn't go well yeah you know what I mean yeah um, and you are kind of you know, prepping for it, you have to. Yeah. Um, but is it if it's something that is confusing to you? Um, well, that's that's something you got to solve. That's something you got to figure out yourself. But no, I think it's the emotional thing too. It's like, um, yeah, it's just walking the line. I think for me personally, between sometimes the substitution is great, and then sometimes it's it's done its course. It's not necessarily the substitution used last night either. Right. You've got to keep exploring your emotional work just like you have to keep exploring the play. That's it. And that's, I think, the wall that I discovered <laughs> recently. And that's sort of what uh, I wish we got a longer chance to experiment in it because it ended pretty A particular play and yeah. you want another crack at it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It scares the daylights out of me still, but I would love to kind of like get in there and try it again to see what happens. But I think that that's what I learned is like, no, this evolves yeah. the same way that yeah. you try to every night. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like um, it's helpful to do emotional preparation when you have the time to do it, even if it's um, between half hour and curtain. Um, mm. I almost always do actually spend... Um, between the first, the, the last half hour before the play, doing emotional preparation, even though like 
I don't really need the emotion until, I don't know, a half hour in, unless I have time before that big scene, mm -hmm. unless I've got, I, I think 20 minutes. Um, I like a half an hour, but 20 minutes is, is sufficient. Okay. But if you do it, it, it's, it kind of, it wakes your emotions up. Um, We're so going that, here tonight. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's helpful to get them going and it gives you confidence that they're there and you can kind of back burner them, you know, when you're in the wings between scenes, just kind of like reawaken them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important to to remember that you know if you don't have time do the emotional preparation right before that scene you got to do it earlier. Yeah, I think. I love that. Well, we're up to the last question. All right. And it is. I'm asking everybody this. Oh God, is it scary? No. Is it, is it hard? I don't think so. I think what you'll if you like just it. Just like laid out like the Pythagorean theorem. <laughs> Please define this <laughs> for me now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just uh, to end with a love note from you to the American theater. What makes you keep coming back, and why does it continue to ignite your soul? Oh, God. I mean, <clears throat> when the lights go down on the audience, and the lights are coming up on a play with Jessica Hecht, for example, or... Um, Jelkovanek, or I just like there are so many actors who I just feel like a, a kid in a candy store, and then after the play is done, it's just so. Uh, it's such an extreme satisfaction. It's um, I, 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 there's nothing like it for me seeing a great play. There's nothing like it. Something that. It's cathartic, of course. Uh, it renews my my faith in humanity and in existence, and it, it, it puts a spring in my step. Yeah. Um, it just inspires me to keep being a person, uh, and of course, an actor. Yeah. I love that. See, not too hard, <laughs> huh? <laughs> but yeah. Um, this has I been wish great. I could have thought of a different geometric equation than the Pythagorean <laughs> theorem. I loved geometry when I was a sophomore in high school, and I, it's so sad I can't remember anything but the Pythagorean theorem. Well, I don't even really remember what that is, so you're, you're better than me there. It's the one with the scarecrow. Pythagoras? Uh, isn't the one with the scarecrow um, quotes at the end of The Wizard of Oz? Oh. The hypotenuse, the square of the hypotenuse. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's, yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, it's like trying to find the shorter, the root. Yeah, the hypotenuse is the... The right triangle. The longer, the, yeah, the... Right yeah. angle. Oh, God. We're, I know. Bad. we got to do some Googling. Now everybody's this. laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. We're going to look up some math problems now. But um, I appreciate it so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. It was an honor. Thank, thank you. Thank you. you.